an ounce matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. So welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. Here we are, just eight to ten days uh, to Bathurst and it's a big one because uh, it's about a race this year on the mountain. It's not about a championship with a uh, 600 points lead or 598 points lead for Scotty McLaughlin uh, over Shane Van Gisbergen. He's definitely going there to uh, win a race, not a championship. Would you agree? Yes, indeed, Tony. It is going to be interesting to see how everyone just goes for broke because of the uh, points gap and makes for an interesting race week and weekend. It's fantastic because on this week's show, we... uh, have got a couple of the main contenders in terms of Matt Roberts and Thomas Randall, both from Tickford Racing. Both of them, of course, in uh, new positions really this year. Matt Roberts as a team manager taking over from Chris O'Toole and Thomas Randall making his debut in the Bathurst 1000. So that'll be fantastic to watch. Now I know, Tony, that you've been following with interest the testing that's gone on for Bathurst earlier this week. Lots of testing going on up in Queensland. We had uh, yesterday both Triple Eight and DJR Team Penske out uh, at Queensland Raceway. Uh, unfortunately, uh, a bit of a brake failure for Alex Premitt. They lost uh, two and a half hours, but other than that, um, probably uh, track time for Alex would be the biggest uh, handicap. Interesting thing was that they were doing some testing with Steve Johnson driving um, the car that his father actually ran back in Adelaide, I think it was. Um, and they're doing the 2020 engine program, testing that uh, new engine component. So that's an interesting development. Um, Matt Stone was out there. The only one missing from Queensland, I think, because Kostecki's were out as well, was um, the techno car, and no one seems to have uh, seen or heard what's going on there. Winton, of course, was uh, always a big part of the build-up for Bathurst because the Victorian teams have only got there to play, and all the players were out there and will be out there this week, uh, including the... American-driven uh, car, the uh, Alex Rossi, James Inchcliffe car, Walkinshaw United uh, Andretti uh, car. They uh, have three days of testing, of course, rookie testing for the wild card, and as well as that, uh, Walkinshaw's two cars, the uh, all the Kelly cars, uh, Tickford four, they've all been out having a run around, so that's all uh, pretty interesting. Um, Craig, you had some news about liveries, I understand. The Red Bull Holden Racing Team has unveiled their livery for this year's Bathurst 1000. Four-time winner of the great race, Jamie Winkup says he's pumped to pair with last year's pounds as the factory-backed Holden celebrates 50 years of manufacturer involvement. Yeah, well, there's, there's a bit of a carrot there. We had a fantastic run in 06, 07, 08 um, with Lounsey and I, but, but no pairings on the race uh, more than three times. So uh, the opportunity to go four is, uh, is exciting. Um, the, those numbers and those records, they just sit in the background. You know, it's not something we focus on. We're focusing on just do, doing a good job and um, trying to just fire up the grid as possible. But, hey, if we can, uh, if we can tick that milestone, that would be fantastic. 
After conquering Mount Panorama again in 2018, Lowndes is eager to get back to his happy hunting and perhaps move another step closer to the record held by the king of the mountain, Peter Brock. Um, yeah, well, it's obviously a different year for me this year being a co-driver and supporting Jamie. It's a very much a big part of the co-driver um, season, doing the endurance part of it. It's uh, 900 points up for grabs, which is really... Uh, you know, a massive uh, chunk of points for, for any of the main drivers. And uh, I started my life as a co-driver with Brad Jones, and now I'm sort of going full circle. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be fantastic to uh, to uh, support Jamie. If I can do my job, I'm sure there's no doubt that uh, we'll have a strong showing. All the action from this year's Super Cheap Auto 1000 kicks off October 10, with a sellout crowd expected up on the hill in 2019. You can catch all the action on Fox Sports, Channel 10, and of course streaming live on KO Sports, who launched with Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander, the other of the Red Bull Holden racing pairings, doing the duty at the Gfinity Esports Arena inside the Hoyt Cinema at the Entertainment Quarter in Sydney. Coming up after the break, we're continuing on our longest-serving team members in Supercar Lane, that being that this year, this week, is Matt Roberts. He was a Tickford racing man. Of course, he started there back uh, early this century, and uh, he's uh, climbed his way up through the business, and now he's a team manager. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio, any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Fenske, and you're on Inside Supercard. Well, Matt Roberts from Tickford Racing, team manager for the team now, but you are one of a couple of the longest-serving members at Tickford Racing and seen a few name changes over the years. Yeah, this is my the start of my 17th year here, or well, halfway through now. Almost finished. Um, yeah, started. I first walked into the Glen Seaton workshop at um, in in Dandenong there in Rura Street. Um, you know, in December two thousand and two, um, and and yeah, I've just progressed from there, and this is where I, I am now. So you walked into the Seaton's workshop as a or to be a yeah to be a number two mechanic. Um, you know, I was getting chatted around by Ivan Taylor and John Matthews at the time, and um, you know, they were the current team managers and, and marketing managers at that time. And um, and uh, yeah, started as a, a number two mechanic. Come from another race team um, before that, and um, yeah, recent history. So if you go back, what was the first motorsport job then? Uh, first motorsport job was in 98 um, at Prancing Horse Racing. Yeah, season 98, 99. Um, we're doing, uh, that was the the first generation um, Nations Cup, what, what is now GT. Um, and then, yeah, spent three or four years there and then, um, yeah, progressed on to um, CEDOs. So at that stage, you're already a qualified mechanic? Yeah, so um, grew up as a um, 
a local mechanic at a workshop in, in Knoxfield. Um, father and brother are both mechanics as well, um, you know, and, and that's where I, I probably got my grassroots from, you know, Dad, because he used to, we used to go hill climbing up at um, Rob Roy and different uh, different places, and um, and that's where I got the taste for, for motorsport from there. Then you make the move over to Glen Seaton, a very well-established name in motorsport. How big a change was that from Prancing Horse? Um, it was actually a little bit of a downgrade because I'd come from working on, um, you know, GT cars and Ferraris and we, that we did the, the Mustang program and um, we had a very lavish um, factory out in Laverton um, and, you know, very, very big budget and I've come down to to supercars and thinking, you know, this is this big... Um, big party at uh at Cito's but um yeah we've walked in I'm like oh god what have I got myself into and I think it was the second week in you know Ivan Taylor's got us up in their little tea room and um he's like we're gonna have to start working till 10 p.m each night now and it was just like oh god what have I got myself into (laughs) that is quite a quite a hard life to be able to sustain and that's one of the things we see people might get to five years in supercars, but to see people getting over the five, six, seven, that's when you know they're hardcore. Yeah, um, I'm very fortunate. I've got a very uh, loving wife and family, a lot of support. Um, my wife's family is also from motorsport background, so a lot of understanding there, which has made it the whole reason why I've been able to do it for so long. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it without my wife, and and um, just. Yeah, she's got me through nearly 17 years here and, um, yeah, I just owe everything to her. So from number two mechanic, you're working on Glenn's car at the time or you're working on, uh, who was it being, Neil? Yeah, no, I started at, um, it was the end of the Tickford racing days um, and um, my, the first driver I worked with at, at um, Tick, well, Pro Drive back then, it was um, David Bernard. Team manager now, number two mechanic when you start out. What's been the career progression for yourself? Yeah, look, I was um, number two mechanic for for a year when I um, first started. Um, early days of pro drive racing, it was it was a lot of hard work because we had, a, you know, a lot of um, it was a lot of external pressure to perform because you know we had, um, you know, elite drivers like Lowndes and Cedo and. And, and those guys, and, and there was a lot of, um, de- you know, design development, um, engineering input from ProDrive UK, and it was just, we would do so many hours, um, and, um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of staff turnover in those early days, um, and, yeah, so I was a number two for, for the first year, um, and then progressed to, as a number one, you know, um, the then John Russell, he was um, uh, like CEO or um, team manager slash back then, um, and um, yeah, he approached me and said, you know, would, I'd, I'd like really like you to be number one. Um, and that from that point on, I was I was number one for the best part of ten years. Um, and the last the last driver I worked with was uh, with Frosty, um, and he and I, you know got a great relationship still to this day and um yeah so number one mechanic for for 10 years 
um, got to the point in my career where I was um, starting to reach out and explore and um, that's when I identified that you know it was time for the next step with a bit more responsibility um, showing a bit more leadership within the team um, and progressed to uh, chief mechanic. Uh, I was chief mechanic for four years um, at that point and then um, I got to another point in my career where I was like okay well I've got you know I've got that down pat and um, you know it was time to move on to the next stage of my career um, and um, yeah you know fortunate enough that um, Tim and Rod have been supportive through my whole career um, and um, you know saw um, potential in me and you know put faith in me and at that point they um, I was assistant team manager um, for another two years and then um, yeah this year finally got to step up to the to the plate and um, take on that team manager role which is you know I can't thank those guys enough for having the faith in me to to be able to lead the team and um, you know I think we've we've had a, a lot of structure change over the years and you know the um, the team's evolved you know people have changed um, and you know it's a it's a good challenge I'm enjoying it they didn't go into putting you as team manager blind, though, because uh, was it last year Tooley breaks his leg on a motorcycle accident and they were given the... You're almost like uh, the uh, interim coach, if you like. You had that chance to uh, show whether you could cut it or not. Yeah, so yeah, it was unfortunate Tooley broke his leg. It, it was Easter time. I got the phone call was having, um, just before we went to Tassie and it was like, oh, you know, I've broke my leg and I have to step in for for a round or two and I was like oh you know like big a lot of weight on my shoulders and I don't think I slept for the next two or three days thinking you know I was dreading going to the track but um yeah no it was good the, the team showed great support around me um you know everyone works well together um and um yeah it's pretty much where it took off from there and then at, you know it got to the end of the year and um I just I was identified that it was time that I could you know step up and and take the challenge on and I imagine there wasn't the sleepless nights when it was going to be your permanent role then because you'd you'd also had that chance to get through it and work through it yeah look it was um it's something that I was I've always been thinking about and I never really gave it much thought when it was actually going to happen um and yet it just come as, as a big surprise and um it was a bit of a shock so you know always going to go in a bit um, nervous or tentative, uh, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, look, definitely um, I think there was a bit more weight this year. We had, you know, change of model and and the build of um, Mustang and whatnot. Um, There was a lot of, uh, you know, team turnover or change again at the start of this year. We've We've had many changes within, you know, structure and whatnot. And, um, you know, that's that also added to the pressure um, again this year to try and, you know, you've got to come out of out of the box performing um, these days to, to be at the front of the championship. You can't you can't go to the first round and go, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll do do our best and see what we can do. You've actually got to go there and go there with a the mindset of winning. Um, and that's what it takes to be, you know, a front running team. You have come up through the mechanic stream. There's, of course, that other dark art, the engineer stream. How is that relationship between engineers and mechanics? It's always a tricky one. We've always got... There's a, a, um, 
a divide there, I guess, if you want to call it that. But I, I guess I like to integrate the engineer and mechanic more, um, and that's been a big part of my philosophy is getting those guys to work together because at the end of the day, in a multi-car team, you've got to have... Um, basically, you know, you've got to have a forward line, um, you've got to have your, your centre line and, and your back line. So you've got to have all these individual teams working together. So to have that collaboration with um, engineers slash mechanic, they've got to have um, they've got to have faith in one, one another. You know, the engineer's got to have faith in the mechanic that he can do the job. Mechanic's got to have the faith in the engineer that when he wants a change done, you know, it, it, um, it's going to work. So... But my big uh, my big thing is getting those guys to work as close as ever. Um, I bring them together regularly, and um, you know we table different ideas, or whether we're you know going out on weekends or just spending other time, and it's getting to to know each other. And as long as those guys know each other, the driver's also a big part of that combination. Um, so we've got you know driver, engineer, mechanic. Um, so it's just not about the the two people in the um, in that side of the garage or the car, more to see. And has that been something that has been a, a change over your time in the sport, where it was really the us and them? Yeah, look, it's as the sports evolved over the years. That um, you know, mechanics used to run the car back in the day. We used to pretty much, you know, help help do the 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 change process or the engineering process of the car and it wasn't till probably you know 03 04 where engineers actually got heavily involved and that was where there was us and them you know it's like well the the old school generation of um you know they're still in the sport and you know those guys probably weren't as accepting and that's where that um uh, mentality came from you know it was the, the us and them but these days, it's a it's a much tighter collaboration, and you you, act, you can't deal without it. The teams changed ownerships. Has there been much of a different philosophy between each of the different ownership styles and structures? Uh, I wouldn't say much of a philosophy change because you know Dave Richards, although he was a you know was a very directive man, he he. Um, he sort of he would come in at the start of the year. He would come in in the middle of the year, and he would come in at the end of the year just to see how everything was progressing and tracking. The team was sort of left to its own devices. Um, you know, Tim was he was running the team for Dave Richards then, as he is now for for you know Rod and Rusty, um, and and the rest of the um, the owner group, but. The um, the core philosophy hasn't hasn't really changed over the years. We've sort of um, always looked to Tim as our you know the I guess the leader of the pack, um, and the owners sort of they've always taken a step back. But um, recently, in, in the last couple of years, since um, Rod um, has you know has had a, a massive buy-in into the team, um, we've seen a, a change in. Um, um, philosophy there where you know that those guys are getting more involved um, in the day-to-day which you know they need to at, at this you know in this current climate the team long time at the front of the field but two things had very much eluded it for, for Bathurst and championship what was it like having spent so much time with the team to first see that Bathurst trophy and then it was two years in a row, of course, and then eventually that, the Holy Grail, the, the championship. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people don't realise what we went through in the early days um, to get there. We would, you know, we would be battling uh, with Triple Eight for, you know, it was one week it was us, next week it was Triple Eight, and uh, it was vice versa. And two or three years it came down to the wire, whether it was, you know, it was the last race, um, it was either us or them, and uh, I don't know, seven or eight out of ten, um, they come out on top, and... Um, it was we were so agonisingly close many times. You know we led many Bathursts um, with podiums, so many Bathursts. We had we had good results along the way. We just never quite were able to you know clinch that um, championship earlier or Bathurst earlier. But um, I'd go away. I, I remember vividly. Um, you know we led Bathurst all day. You know seven. We qualified on pole. Um, and, you know, in the last 10 laps it started to spit rain and we got caught out um, at the end of the chase there. I think everyone everyone has seen the replays of Frosty, you know, going through the chase there at, at full speed, but, um, you know, through no through no fault of his own, it was um, just a weather element that day and I think I, I cried for about two hours after the race. Um, just, you know, because we were so close and everyone had put so much work in. We'd been there, um, you know, for for that amount of time and we hadn't really got a massive result it was we were on for a big result that day um but yeah to turn around you know in 13 uh, 14 to double it up and then 15 with the championship it was those were the most emotional days of my life and you know apart from getting married and having having my three children <laughs> um you know I've bled so many times for this team and you know those those days meant so much to me and um you know fortunately you know a lot of the core guys were there to celebrate it which was really good um there's a couple of long-standing guys back at the shop as well so you know it was good to get back and you know we just traded stories and you know gave each other a hug and and whatever you know it was just it's like a family here still um you know we've still got all those guys that started back in you know oh two oh three there's a couple of them still, you know, workshop based now, um, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the guys here don't realise how much blood's gone into this um, you know, team. So take that first Peter Brock trophy. Was that a celebration or was it relief? Frosty and Richo, they um, they took that first Brocky trophy for us, and you know that was an amazing moment. Um, we'd eclipsed the the Holy Grail. Yeah. I, can't even tell you like I, I didn't let the trophy go when we got back to the house because we stay on the um on uh, mountain straight there at the at the collies um you know and they've they've been a part of it as well as long as we have um you know they've always welcomed us every every year without fail um so you know they 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 celebrated with us as, and it was just like one family you know just it was you know we'd finally done it um, and um, yeah, I don't think I let the trophy on my site for a couple of days after that. <laughs> and what about drivers? Is there a, one driver that stands out? You mentioned your relationship with Frosty, but was there one driver that you just thought, man, this guy is a step above or is so different? Um, yeah, one driver that um, stands out from, from the rest, I'd say, would be Mika Salo when he came, uh, I think it was 2010. Uh, 2011 around there he was um, a co-driver at Gold Coast for us and I was optimistic of his um, abilities in the car you know coming from a open wheeler 
and European scene, um, and you know I'd seen many Europeans come over in the in you know previous to that. You know David Brabham, Matt Halliday, and all those guys. You know come from open wheelers and and you know particularly in Europe. But he stands out from the rest because you know we we did a, a quick seat fit at um, you know Norwell uh, Motorsport Park, and we went through some data that day. You know I was I was the mechanic on that car, and um, yeah, it was just. He was unbelievable. His professionalism and his ability to understand the car before he even got in it was um, was amazing. I've never seen anything like it. And um, he was almost as quick as Will on you know in in practice one. And yeah, he's he, uh, utterly professional. It was just amazing to see. Um, he's he's probably the standout as far as the um, the main drivers goes. That's a tough one because you, <laughs> you asked me to pick my friends here. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I mean, between, I'd say, all of the current drivers now, they're, they're a great bunch of guys, you know, work with so many of them over the years. Yeah, so look, you know, the favourites, obviously you got Chaz, Cam, Wilbur and, and Lee, but yeah, I can't, I'll ne- never forget the relationship I had with um, Frosty, you still do. Lowndes, you know, back in the, back at the start of FPR days. Cedo, there's so many of them, I could, I could go in here for... you got to choose your kids, yeah. don't you? <laughs> I was actually telling Tommy Randall the other day, he's, he turned around and he, he asked me how many seat pours I'd actually done, and I turned around and said, oh mate, you're, you're about my hundredth, and he's... <laughs> He's like, oh, can you rattle off some drivers for me? And um, so we rattled off some drivers. He's like, wow, you've you've, you've seen some, you know, worked with some um, elite high-caliber drivers over the years, which is also, um, you know, it's been good to do. It's interesting because when you look at Australian drivers, in my eyes, Australian drivers are a lot like American drivers. Accumulate points, just finish, finish. Whereas the European, they don't care if you finish. They want to know how fast you are. Yeah, and they're going out there to win. <laughs> That's that that was obvious from when um, we've had a couple of those guys come over. Um, but also to the championship, the way it's structured is if you know you're not having a good day, well you've got to consolidate, and that's what um, it's taught us over the years that. Yeah, you've got to you've got to accumulate the points, and you can't just go out and go and win every weekend. We've, we've just got to stay consistent. You've got to be there when someone else either falls over or you know has an issue. That's an unfortunate day for the, for, for your, the other teams, but um, you know you've got to be there at the same time. And I think um, that's the way we sort of like to position ourselves. To, you know, to be in good positions at you know when it when the when it counts most. And if you ruled the world, it's supercars. So not just for your team, but for the whole series. What would you change? What do you think is the thing that could really fix the sport and get it to the next level? That's a tough question. I'll just think about that for a second. Um, If I had to change one thing, it probably would be... I know everyone wants to talk about, um, you know, aero and parity and stuff like that, but I don't think they're as far away as what people think. Look... The structure and the the business ethics, I think, uh, are maybe a little bit off. They need to make it more, you know, fan friendly. I guess They're, they've tried so hard over the years, but I think if they if they put the fans first, um, make it more affordable for you know younger families to come. Because I know a lot of a lot of the tracks we go to, some of them are you know expensive. Um, we just we need to probably look at that. From a, from a different perspective, you know, also too, if you look at, um, you know, the major sponsors that are in 
you know, in the sport at the moment, they probably need to do more with um, activating, you know, as a as a group working together. It's a tough question. <laughs> I, I I actually think they've got the um, the model is right. They've just got to um, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into aero and and, and car parity because I think they're they're very close and and the general public don't understand where they are at the moment. Um, that's what teams do with you know the what's underneath the body. It's not just outside. Um, so I think actually from a from a, a grader of the sport, put it back on free to air. Because I know, you know, my even my mum and dad, they like to they used to like to watch it on when it was on either seven or ten, and you know, people a lot of people can't afford Foxtel, so it's you know it's an expensive world out there, and um, those things are luxuries. So not everyone's got that access to that, and I think if they bring it back to the people, the the sport will grow, you know, even bigger. Well, Matt, it's great to catch up with you and uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the season. No worries, thank you. Good to meet you. It's certainly uh, an insight into the land of Tickford Racing and the Ford Oval's uh, main factory team for many years. But after the break, we'll be hearing from Tom Randall, who makes his debut at Bathurst this year, driving alongside Lee Holsworth in the Bottolo car. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're lucky we've just grabbed Thomas Randall, who's at Tickford Racing today for driver change. Is this correct, uh, Thomas? That is correct, yeah. I'm, I'm here now. And we've uh, gone through a little bit of a procedure of what we want to do today and tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, now we've just got to put into motion and give it a crack. I haven't actually done any driver change practice yet, so this will be All right. the first time with Lee. And, of course, Lee's a little bit shorter than you. Um, does that mean that he wears a booster seat for uh, driver changes for the Enduros? Yeah, he does, yeah. So I've got uh, my seat or my instrument for the, the whole Enduro campaign, and then he'll put in a booster seat, if you like, uh, for, for his driver change when he hops in the car. So for me, it's pretty straightforward. I don't have to pull anything out or, or put anything in it. It's uh, that it's it's already the work's done to me, so that's good. That's fantastic, mate. Now, I mean, as as young racing drivers, and and you don't feel you're that young anymore, of course, but you are. Uh, young racing drivers, your career just keeps on moving up another rung through your life, um, and and you've had a, a tremendous driving career, and you made another step, giant step, uh, recently. Um, Tail and Ben this year, making your debut in the main series. That was, must have been uh, so exciting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not every day you get an opportunity to race in, in our premier, uh, premier motor racing category in Australia. So that was, yeah, I was pinching myself, myself still on Friday. I mean, co-driver session didn't feel really any different because I wasn't out there with the main drivers. But then once it got to the first official practice session, that was pretty cool. And then to be on the grid for 
that 20 minutes or half an hour just sitting there and hopping uh, out of the car, seeing all the main, the main superstars there. It was yeah, pretty surreal. And, uh, I mean, to get the results from this, I was, I was pretty happy considering the, uh, yeah, the lack of mileage and the lack of new time. You did do right something, now. though, in that very first session, didn't you? You did do something, which is a long uh, saying in my family, is just let them know you're there, because you did in that first session, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, well, you topped the session. Yeah, Friday was an awesome day, topping the co-driver session, which a lot of people thought we were on new tyres, which was great to have people think that. And then come practice two to get in the uh, in the top ten to make it straight into Q2 for Saturday, that was, yeah, that that really took the cake for the weekend. So, uh, yeah, that was a great way to, to start my supercars campaign, if you like. And we were, I, yeah, we wanted to announce the co-drive earlier than that but to be honest it, it probably got announced at the right time it got announced on the monday after that meeting and i uh, yeah i was lucky enough that uh, the weekend went the way it did and certainly i think it, we gained a lot of following and just was everything was just the right right moment the right time and now i think it's even given lee some confidence in me um heading into bathurst and also knowing that yeah this is the first endurance race but now it has an actual main game race under my belt I've got uh, yeah, a lot more uh, reassurance heading into Mount Panorama. Talking with Thomas here and one of the things about this year's Enduros and I imagine Talon Bend has helped in this way is the fact that you're straight into Bathurst there's no stand down build up so you've got to be hit the, hit the ground running is that, is that what do you feel? Yeah I mean we, it's going to be a race that's won it's going to be tricky because it's going to come down to the person who makes the least amount of mistakes. And, yeah, there's no, no curtain raiser in Sandown. So everything's going to be spot on. The, the drive changes, the, uh, the brake changes, the brake rotor changes. It's going to be, it's going to be a full-on affair. So good thing we've got the test day tomorrow at Winton, which will be the first time that we get to yeah, do all the driver change practices with a hot car and hot tyres, hot brakes. And uh, just trying to remember all those procedures for the for the driver. I mean, there's a lot that's going on when when it comes to a driver change. When you're getting out of the car or in the car, when you've got to have the the helmet pad removed, you've got to have the radio removed, make sure it's really neutral, undo belts at the right time. Mate. You can't undo that buckle until the car stops. Loosen your your shoulder belts. The face the belts can't be off your shoulders until you stop. There's a lot that happens. You know, cool suit. And then if you're hopping in the car and doing a brake change, you've got to make sure when you hop in, you don't have your foot on the brake. And then once once all the brakes are changed, you've got to pump the pedal while getting everything else sorted. So there's a lot happening. And meanwhile, you're, you're going to head into the middle of a race. It's not the start of the race. It's, it's the middle of the race. So it's, yeah, there's a lot going on, but it's just trying to keep it simple and, uh, yeah, minimise those mistakes like I said. It's that thing where, you know, more more so than probably before, then co-driver compatibility between drivers and the comfort you feel in the car is more important than ever, I would think. Well, you're probably not wrong there. I mean, it's probably hard for me to know. I've never done an enduro campaign before, so it, that's going to be a you know, hard one for me to answer. But when I race the tail on bend, I have the same seat brackets, pedal position as what Lee runs in his car and uh, I just ran an insert that we had made for myself. Uh, we moved the steering up slightly to, to suit for me because I've got longer legs than Lee. That's sort of where the, the height difference comes from. So, 
Uh, and Lee, Lee made that change for New Zealand, and he actually ran my insert that I ran in the wildcard. He had that in his base with his uh, booster seat, if you like, for Pukekohe, and he really enjoyed it. So that's really good that he ran it as is already, and he was happy with it. So when we go to Bathurst and he helps me, it won't be foreign to him. And it's same for me. He won't be foreign to me either. So that's, we haven't had to make too much of a compromise. So I think we should both be reasonably comfortable in the car, which is important around Bathurst. How big a difference is the step up from what you've been experiencing in Super 2s to what you experienced at Tail and Bend? The biggest thing I felt was the qualifying definitely trying to maximise that new tyre. And it was it was always going to be tough at Taylor because it is such a long lap. I mean, it's nearly a two-minute lap, so there's a lot of a lot of room to make a mistake. Even if it's just a, a small mistake, it, there's a lot of straights there, so it can, it can cost you. And the, the overall delta just sort of gets worse and worse. But that would be the, probably the biggest challenge. I mean, even during the races, it's, it's such a long race that the, the, man, the amount of mistakes that the main drivers make is... Yeah, a lot less than your Super 2 drivers. And you've got to treat the race sort of a different mentality than Super 2. Where, you know, with Super 2, we don't have any pit stops. So it's really just a sprint to the end, whereas in main game, in the well, our second race at Taylor and Bend, you've got fuel tyres. So you've got to look after the tyres as well as you, know, you can't push the car as hard when you're on a, a full fuel load. And you've just come from having a light fuel load. So there's, there are differences and certainly the, the racing is, is pretty tough as well I mean they they don't feed you an inch uh, they don't give you an inch um, but I think Bathurst depending on who starts the car it, it won't be as aggressive because everyone knows that the race doesn't really kick off until the final two skips you know and if you're on that lead lap it's anyone's game it certainly sounds Thomas as though you could you couldn't be better prepared for your debut at Bathurst um, obviously, you, you've driven on the track before, so that's one of the parameters out. You've driven the car before, and it's just the pairing with Lee. And, and obviously, Lee's a very easygoing guy. I can imagine that you and he would uh, get on well. Yeah, definitely. I think I've probably brought out a little bit of humour in him as well. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're driving up together next Monday uh, up to Bathurst, so that'll be good. A bit more bonding time. And like you said, I, I don't think... I could be more prepared. Doing the wild card has certainly put me in the best best shape. And I had a test day in my Super 2 car on uh, the Wednesday just gone. And we've got, like I said, we've got a test day on Tuesday this week uh, in the in the Bottle O car. So that's probably as many miles as I can do before we get there. And then I've got double duties as well. So when by the time we get to Sunday, I would have done... I think three practice sessions in main game, which is around two and a half hours, plus my Super 2 practices, plus the 250-kilometre enduro on Saturday. So I'll probably be one of the, hopefully, the best-prepared drivers out there. So, yeah, hopefully when it comes to Sunday, everything just uh, just clicks. And are you staying at the track? I mean, a good number of uh, drivers have in recent times uh, stayed inside the paddock. Uh, I'm not, no. I'll be staying in a house, I think it's about five minutes away. It's pretty close. As you head down to turn one, instead of turning left, you sort of keep going down that runoff, and it's uh, down one of those roads there. So I don't want to be telling everyone where I'm staying, but 
Lee and Cam will be staying in Caravans, I believe. At the, that's, at the track. that's what I sort of thought. And, yeah, I know Alex Davison has as well and things like that. So, yeah. All right, well, uh, I certainly look forward to... Uh, I'll try and talk to you beforehand, but look forward to catching up with you on the mountain. And uh, I wish you very all the very best, mate. Thank you very much, Tony. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk before then as well. Indeed. All right, well, that's it from uh, Thomas Randall who, as he prepares for driver training at uh, Tickford Racing this afternoon. Thanks for your time on Inside Supercars. Coming up after the break, our final thoughts on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question email insiders at sportradio.com.au Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske, enjoy the show Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. My final thought Craig revolves around I hope we have a new winner I think it's about time that somebody stepped up and really took hold of the uh, the cup and said that it's mine because uh, we've been seeing the same uh, uh, people stepping uh, forward, Steve Richards and Craig Lowndes, nothing wrong with them. They're great racers and they do all the thing, right things, but I'd like to see some fresh blood. I'd like to see someone new on the, on the uh, scene take the cup. Now, obviously, Shane Van Gisbergen hasn't won it and Scotty McLaughlin hasn't won it, so there are plenty of well-established contenders, but I want to see somebody totally new, somebody who's making their, their real mark in the series step up and grab the cup and, and take it. Um, and, you know, obviously, people like Nick Perkett have won and, you know, these sort of guys, but I want to see an Anton or a Scott Pye, even an Andre Armgartner or a Gary Jacobs, somebody fresh, new, to take the cup. Well, my final thought, Tony, is that... We're seeing a great pairing. Jamie Wincup, Craig Lowndes coming back together. Here's their thoughts on the mountain, on the livery and on the pairing. Yeah, it's quite quite special. I think there's no doubt that, uh, you know, Dad was a big influence on how I become who I am and being involved in motor racing. So it's um, uh, it's great knowing that, yeah, he was part of this sort of uh, original livery back in 71 and uh, he did and has told stories of uh, the Tirana and and, uh, what they did and and uh, obviously the success they had through that era. Yeah, new livery looks great. Always a little bit of a, sp- a sceptic uh, going to Bathurst with a, with a different livery, but um, no, I think I like, like the introduction of the red, nice blue, nice clean lines. I mean, it looks fantastic. Uh, well, I grew up obviously uh, watching um, sort of almost the Group A days, so uh, seeing the evolution of the Commodore or the Holden product, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to drive some old great cars. I drove... Uh, Peter's uh, 72 Tirana, uh, which was quite amazing to see the ergonomics and you know, what the cars were back then to what we now currently have, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic to be able to uh, carry that legacy on. Yeah, well, my first car was a Holden. My, the, the first car I owned or brought was a Holden as well. Um, so, yeah, to see the history over the years has been fantastic, and they're in a brand-new era with the ZB Commodore. 
Uh, it's one we're really excited about and uh, one we're, we're really proud to represent on the, on the track. Uh, so that's it from Inside Supercars this week and a pre-Bathurst week. Next week, a real treat, and we've got a couple of the pundits in Andrew Van Leeuwen from motorsport.com and Stephen, Stephen Bartholomeus from supercars.com, and they'll be giving us their views from the inside of what it's like inside supercars. So that's it for us. Thank you for joining us. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.